Good morning, Hope Astoria. I'm so glad that we get to spend this time together in worship, gather around God's Word, and I'm particularly excited for the next two weeks because I really believe they're going to be pivotal, instrumental times in the plan of God for us as a church. As many of you know, we are preparing to return to in-person gatherings, and we are doing all the legwork, hard work to make sure that it's safe, that it's wise, that everything is fully ready for us to return. But as we return, all the physical things that we have to do um, within the space that we're going to be meeting at at Legal Outreach, I'm mindful of the spiritual preparation, that our hearts need to be tended to, that our spirits need to be revived. And toward that end, I asked my dear friend, our dear friend, Mike Turgiano, if he would be open to ministering to us around the things of the Holy Spirit, what it means to walk with the Holy Spirit, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and to just prepare us spiritually as we prepare to, big, to do this big shift from meeting in our homes and, and engaging over screens to actually regathering as a people. Why I think this is a critical time these next two weeks is because one of the things I'm looking forward to the most when we get together in person is to experience the tangible presence of God together as a community. This whole season, there's been so many things that we've been able to do without being together as we sought to nurture and cultivate our intimacy with God and continue to walk with Jesus. And I want to say as your pastor, I'm incredibly proud of the ways our church has plowed through this difficult season and sought to continue to grow in our faith. But all of that said, there are things that are never meant to be experienced alone. There are things that God has reserved only for when his people gather. And I'm excited about those things, about the presence of the Holy Spirit filling our hearts, how his gifts and his power are going to be made manifest in our gatherings and how you and I are going to encounter Jesus together. And so, these next two weeks, I want you to lean in and to truly hear what God has to say to us as he prepares us for this seminal moment in the, in the life of our church as we prepare to regather. And as we do so, we're going to do so with full expectation that the Holy Spirit is going to meet us powerfully, that there are great days ahead for us as a church. Open your Bibles, open your heart, welcome Pastor Mike Turgiano in your living rooms, wherever you're tuning in, as he brings the Word of God to us this morning. Today, I want to talk about koinonia and the empowered life. Whenever the subject of living a spirit-empowered life comes up, most think of it in individualistic terms. For the longest time, I did. But I've come to understand that while it is profoundly personal, the New Testament writers viewed a truly Holy Spirit-empowered life as com a communal experience as well, a life shared with other believers. You know, we American Christians tend to see things through an independent, uh, autonomous lens. And so we view spirit empowerment in the context of uh, gifted individuals preaching inspired gospel messages and performing signs and wonders. While in some cases, 
This has been true. This is a far too narrow a view of what happened at Pentecost and what Jesus meant when he said his disciples would receive power to be his witnesses. You see, a broader and more accurate focus uh, view focuses on witness as something we are together as well as on something we do as individuals. The pouring out of the Spirit and the miracle of tongues understood by uh, a multinational group of people was a sign that a new world had begun. God was creating a new unified human family. The story of Pentecost is the story of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Jesus' followers with the result that the life of Jesus is now lived in them in community. We tend to overlook the Spirit's vital work as a community builder and sustainer. He is the lifeblood of the church. I find it instructive that the very next thing we read about in the aftermath of Pentecost is new community. The primary sign of spirit-empowered living was a new spirit kind of community with lots of Jesus-like activity going on, including signs and wonders and more. We read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, the word used in this passage to describe this new community life is fellowship. The English translation of the Greek word koinonia. This was more than a friendly conversation in the lobby or enjoying potlucks. This was community flowing from the heart of God. The result of, of being baptized into Christ by the Spirit. For by one Spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Paul wrote, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. We were all made to drink one Spirit. Quinonia is the very substance of this Spirit baptism, uniting us in Christ and to one another, forming us into his body. While spirit baptism is profoundly personal, it's not individualistic. It's not an individual experience that 
you know, most associate it with it. At Pentecost, those first spirit-filled believers responded by speaking in the languages of the nations, a mark of reconciliation and, and coming together. The spirit baptism brings together male and female, young and old, bond and free, Jew and Gentile. It tears down dividing walls. It puts an end to hostility, alienation, separation. Spirit baptism doesn't only produce empowered individuals, it produces empowered community. Empowered by love in order to love the very thing we were created for. This community life was powerful evidence of the inbreaking of God's kingdom. These first Christians were bearing witness by demonstrating a beautiful new way of doing life together under God's rule that was attractive to outsiders, so much so that more and more people were added each day. You know, they weren't merely uh, devoting themselves to social activities, but to a, a relationship that consisted of sharing together the very life of God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They had entered this relationship by faith in Jesus Christ, not by joining an organization. Their fellowship with God brought them into fellowship with one another. They weren't simply united in common goals or purposes. They shared a common life in Christ. Through their union with Christ, they were formed into a spiritually organic community. They were living stones being built into a spiritual house, fellow members of the body of Christ. Koinonia formed the inner life of that first Jerusalem church. And as the Spirit shaped their lives and bonded them together, they shared an interactive life together, living out the one another's. Their baptism in the Spirit created a community in which people took care of one another, responded uh, to the needs of others, invited people into their homes, gave them beds, fed them meals, collected money to meet their needs. Their witness flowing from this unity and, and, and quality of life became a light to their neighbors and to their city. It was Jesus' high priestly prayer coming to pass. You remember his prayer in the upper room? He said that all may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they, he was talking about these Christians, also be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. As they lived out this shared life in full, um, in full view of a, a love-starved world, they bore witness to the love of God revealed in Christ. 
demonstrating in concrete, visible ways God the Father's love of, for the world. The power at work behind the church's witness then and in, the, in Jerusalem and today is fundamentally the power of love and of, um, and of selflessness in a selfish, broken world. A life of, of love serving the needs of others produced by the Holy Spirit. This doesn't diminish the importance of individual Christians operating in their spiritual gifts or limit ministry to the programs and activities of the local church. In the New Testament, uh, it's full of examples of, of spiritual gifts working outside the church through the lives of ordinary believers whenever and wherever needs arose. This simply places spirit-empowered ministry uh, such as acts of kindness, healing, deliverance, miracles, and the prophetic in their proper context within the support of mutually edifying and accountable relationships which koinonia provides. Gifts are expressions of God's love. This love is relational. We don't operate as lone rangers, superstars, or celebrities. Spiritual gifts operate most responsibly and effectively through believers that are in community living out the one another's commands. The fruit of the Spirit, which is character, the gifts of the Spirit, anointing, are brought to, into healthy balance and maturity through the shared life together. Koinonia isn't simply sitting around a campfire singing Kumbaya. It's missional. It's outward focus. It plays a basic role in redemption. It's God's gift of communion whereby he tears down walls and draws humanity into the orbit of his generous self-giving love. I don't believe the Great Commission can be properly carried out apart from spirit-empowered community. Spiritual gifts are simply the tools Christ provides his body in order to build it up and equip it for a mission. Now, there's obviously lots of lessons here for us to, to pay attention to. But let's just start with this one. The good and beautiful life God designed for us, the life I believe all humans desire to live, simply cannot be uh, fully experienced without also being drawn into life together as the body of Christ. Spirit-filled living isn't a, a solo do-it-yourself business. John Wesley said, Christianity is a social religion. To turn it into a solitary affair is to kill it. If your experience with God is simply a private uh, thing, you're living an incomplete, less than fully spirit-empowered life. Over the course of my life, I've had many encounters with God's Spirit, but among the most powerful were experienced in the assembly of other believers, worshiping together, listening to the gospel together, uh, praying together. 
We experience the Holy Spirit most completely and responsibly through a life shared in community. Spiritual maturity cannot be realized apart from engaging in koinonia community. It's the place of our continued growth. A rich koinonia life is challenging. And I can't think of a time that it's been more difficult and demanding to embrace than over the past year or so under COVID conditions. But whether experiencing spirit-empowered community virtually or in person, it's, it's always life-giving. But as beneficial as it is, it is, it's never been convenient. Even in the best of times, it requires sacrifice and it makes us vulnerable to one another. Sharing life with other human beings opens us to the real possibility of, of being disappointed, being misunderstood, and, and getting hurt. There's risk involved, which means though it's a gift, it, we must choose to receive and commit to it. And this, like everything in the Christian life, requires faith. During this time of, uh, of social separation and distancing, Many of us have grown used to living out our faith alone. But now, as we slowly emerge from our isolation, we need to recover a full-orbed church life characterized by koinonia and the spirit-empowered living that flows from it. We need to commit uh, to a, a life together, whether virtually or in person at the moment. It means choosing to uh, being active participants in community, knowing as well as being known, giving as well as receiving, caring as well as being cared for, serving as well as being served, engaged, team-oriented, each playing their part, sharing our gifts and talents while benefiting from the gifts and talents of others, Together, putting Christ's love into action for all the world to see and be drawn into. Spirit-filled community, uh, this type of living is as much a, a choice as it is a gift, a daily choice, an act of faith. Will you live your Christian life autonomously or on your own or shared with others. It's your choice. It doesn't really mean uh, Sunday services. It could mean participating in a, a, a midweek care group, uh, a Bible study, a prayer circle, or a dinner group. Don't settle for being Lone Ranger Christians or simply a Sunday attender content with being a spectator sitting on the sidelines. Say yes to taking the plunge into the deep waters of spirit-empowered community life. It's well worth it. So let me suggest a rather surprising recipe for a more fulfilling spirit-empowered life. Here it is. Worship, pray, and study with others. Socialize 
and practice hospitality and play a part by, uh, by serving needs in your church community. Let's pray. Lord, we say yes to your gift of koinonia. We welcome it and receive it. We commit ourselves to actively sharing in it and cooperating with it. Lord, give us a we way of thinking rather than a me way of thinking. Come now, Holy Spirit. Amen.